0: Hi, all. This is Dylan. We don't do this often, but we have something really big happening, which is we are publishing our next big book. It is called Gastro Obscura. And like Atlas Obscura, it covers the entire world, but this time through the lens of food And drink. So, if you want to learn the history of how spam spread across the world and made countless incredible new dishes, or the backstory behind butter sculpture and uh, the beautiful monastery that makes incredible mead that you can only get there, this is that book. It really takes you all around the world and gives you the stories behind incredible ingredients, recipes, dishes, all of that. So. Hopefully, this sounds interesting to you. If it does, please go check it out. Gastro Obscura, a food adventurer's guide. Okay, that's it. On to the show. What's the most disgusting meal you've ever had? Really try to think about it. What was wrong with it? Was it the preparation, or maybe it just wasn't to your taste? Maybe it was the very idea of what you were eating. I, for one, do not like bananas. I am not allergic to them, I just hate them. I hate their texture, I hate their flavor, Blech. Which goes to my point, which is actually whatever disgusting meal you're imagining, it's worth pausing to acknowledge that someone else might have loved it. Someone else might have found that exact same plate of food delicious, even inspired. So what does it mean for something to be disgusting? When one person's disgust, is another's delicious? I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Alice Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're touring the disgusting food museum in Malmö, Sweden. If you're prone to getting queasy, you might want to go pour yourself some cornflakes, and we will see you tomorrow. But for the rest of you brave souls, open your minds steal your stomachs and come with us more after this
1: when was the last time i took
0: a road trip how many national parks could i hit in two weeks what about hotels wait hey erica how much am i spending on travel
1: when your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit traveltexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.
1: Well, we have a vomit counter where we count all the instances when someone vomits, so we're up to 101 vomits. That's Andreas Ahrens, the director
0: and co founder of the disgusting food museum in Malmo, Sweden. And I'm guessing that this is
1: the world's only museum with a vomit counter in the lobby. Uh, And it's not really that big of a problem because the tickets are actually vomit bags. And of
0: all the things in the world worth cataloging, worth dedicating an entire museum to, disgusting food is not an obvious choice. But here's the thing about the museum. Depending on who you ask, really, almost any food could
1: qualify. Both me and my co-founder Samuel, we had traveled all over the world most of our lives. We had lived in a couple of different countries and we realized that what we find disgusting and delicious, it's all up to where we grow up. It's all cultural. Disgusting, delicious, it's all relative. There is no right and wrong, really. It's all up to what we learn that we should like and dislike from our parents and from our ancestors.
0: And so in 2018, Andreas and co-founder Samuel West launched the Museum of Disgusting Foods. The permanent exhibit displays 85 foods from all over the world, everything from Spam to bull penis to German sausages filled with pork blood to haggis, that famous Scottish dish made with sheep organs and served inside a bowl made out of the sheep's stomach. The French are also well represented with escargot and foie gras. But Samuel and Andreas didn't have to travel the world to find what is arguably the museum's
1: most impactful exhibit. strumming from Sweden, that's the thing that the most people have vomited from still? That's right. The food that has
0: generated the most vomits is called Sjöströmming, that translates to sour herring. And it's from the museum's very own Sweden.
1: You take herring, you take off the head, Uh, And then you basically ferment it in brine. So when you ferment the fish, it becomes preserved, but it also becomes very, very stinky. Uh, And the brine that you put it in makes it incredibly salty. So it's a very stinky, smelly, horrible consistency fish that is very, very salty. It was a very... Traditional um, well preservation method. Before we had fridges and freezers, we had to preserve our food somehow. You got to give it up for the home team here.
0: Sweden scoring the most vomits in its own country. I can respect that. We asked Andreas to take us on a short little food tour around the museum, and he did not disappoint.
1: Well, one of the things that popped up quite uh, quite early was probably uh, Balut from the Philippines. Uh, it's a duck fetus, partially developed, that you eat in its egg. That's the one that got Andreas. It is still to this day the only thing that has made me vomit in the museum. It doesn't taste bad, really. It tastes okay, but the, the visual aspect of it, just yes, seeing that tiny baby chick when you eat it, and then when you bite into it, it kind of explodes in your mouth Okay, so that accounts for one of those 101 vomits And then we have a temporary alcohol exhibit that uh, feature things such as uh, the South Korean poo wine Poo wine It's something that people were not really drinking as a cocktail or something like that. It was more of a medicine. Feces are described in many old medicinal books in in both South Korea and China as something that can cure different things.
0: And not just in South Korea and China. Even today, you can get a treatment called fecal microbial transplant for severe colon infections right here in New York City at Mount Sinai. And there are other examples from around the world of doctors using human waste as a type of medicine. But
1: anyway, back to the poo wine. So basically you take the the feces of a small child, uh, preferably under seven years old, you put it in some water and mash it all up, uh, let it ferment for 24 hours, then you add some rice and some yeast, and you keep the fermentation going for at least seven days, and then you strain it and you can drink it.
0: Look, everyone's different, and and maybe poo wine crosses a line for you. But it's not so different from introducing any other bacteria starter. In America, we bake a type of bread made using the bacteria that causes gangrene and food poisoning. We eat visibly moldy cheese, like, all the time. Speaking of cheese, there is one dish in the museum that I find a little banana-like. It's from the Italian island of Sardinia. And it's
1: a cheese called quesumarcu. That's the official name, at least. Maggot cheese from from Sardinia. Uh, I had a a friend that brought some to me that I was uh, fortunate enough to try, including the living maggots.
0: While you eat it, the cheese is being actively chewed and digested by
1: these living maggots crawling inside of it. It didn't bother Andreas. It was surprisingly good, actually. It was like a very spicy pecorino.
0: But I have to warn you When you eat it, you've got to chew
1: carefully Very carefully Because they can jump up to 15 centimeters and bite into your eyeballs You have to cover your eyes uh, Otherwise you can get a retinal detachment, worst case uh, And then you chew it really well Because otherwise it can survive in your intestines and bore through them You don't want that to happen So you really have to chew them really well
0: we asked Andreas if there were any other foods that surprised him. Dishes that he ended up enjoying a lot more than he thought he would. And I was not prepared for the answer.
1: Kvalur from Iceland. It's a um, sheep shit smoked whale testicle beer. So you take a whale testicle, about eight kilos of testicle. You chop it up and put it in kind of a, kind of a sock-like thing, a uh, quite big um, textile uh, tube. And then you smoke it in sheep dung. Uh, It's a very traditional way to smoke things in Iceland. They don't have very many trees, so they have used sheep dung for for centuries to smoke food. So they smoke that in a little little hut. And then they take the the whale testicle and they put it in the vats of beer and uh, let it um, imbue its uh, flavor and smell into the beer. It's a good beer, like a very good dark beer, quite smoky, quite rich. It's, it's good, actually. It's, it's nice.
0: The fact that sheep shit smoked whale testicle beer tastes good is incredible. And it makes me think about the resourcefulness that went into making it. People living somewhere without many trees were clever enough, creative enough to figure out that they could smoke things with sheep dung instead of wood. And another, another great example of this kind of resourcefulness is kiviak, an Inuit food from Greenland. Kiviak is made by sowing hundreds of birds inside a seal carcass and then letting them ferment for months so that they can be eaten later. It helps sustain families through long, hard Arctic winters. For most of human existence, nearly our only job was to figure out what we could eat and how we could preserve food for later and through trial and error discover what gave us the right nutrients the right bacteria everything we needed to survive i don't know i i kind of feel
1: like the more accurate name for this museum is the ingenious food museum well, the reason for the name, if you would walk down the street and you would see the Disgusting Food Museum on one side and the unusual food exhibit on the other side, you would go to the Disgusting Food Museum. That, that draws people in more. And that way we have a chance to actually affect people, a chance that we wouldn't have otherwise if we would have had a more boring name or a more bland name. But we have an introduction in the beginning that explains the background of disgust. And then when we do the tasting bar, that's where we have most of the interactions with our visitors. And there we really explain the the concept even further, talk to people, make them understand that this is not a, a freak show. This is not laughing at other cultures. This is sharing the fact that we all have our own disgusting foods and we're all so blind to the disgusting foods from our own culture. I can really attest to this idea. I
0: grew up in the Midwest where I ate things like pickled herring, jello mayonnaise salads, and so many different kinds of weird things on sticks at the county fair. And, And I thought all of these things were delicious, but that's because I grew up with them. When you stop by the museum's tasting bar, you won't find every food featured in the museum. No kiviak, for example. But it does have, for starters, fermented Icelandic shark, crickets, Vegemite, sauerkraut juice, and Andreas' personal vomit inducer, sewer strumming. But why not give it a try? Andreas says people often surprise
1: themselves. They actually like what they taste. Yeah, that happens quite often, actually. And that's one of the things we want to happen as well. Um, We want people to broaden their horizons a bit and and realize that they should try more things that are from other cultures. But also, know your limits. Sometimes it happens that some people vomit several times. I mean, we've had 101 vomits in two and a half years. And the 10 of them were from the same person. This podcast is a co-production
0: of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by Matthew Taub. Our production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you tomorrow. Bananas!
1: B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
0: The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar